Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Time to go to work. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mace. Today, we're going to do something a little special so that we can catch up uh, and be live with everybody else instead of uh, an episode behind. Uh, So we're going to do episode two and episode three today. Um, I am back again today with Luke and Alyssa, and uh, we're just going to kick it straight off with episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. First thoughts. I thought it was... An exciting episode, but I feel like there was a lot of there's a lot more backstory that we got to learn, and I think Marvel did what Marvel does best, which is action comedy, and they did that really well in this episode. Um, but they also hit on some topical notes that I was like, okay, all right, Marvel, I see you. So, all in all, I thought it was a it was a really good episode for just episode two of the show, like. Not, I'm not saying episode two of WandaVision wasn't great, but I just feel like the first couple episodes of WandaVision, everyone was waiting for something to happen, and this show is just like out the gate. Episode one stuff's happening, episode two stuff's happening. I mean, it, well, I'll get into my thoughts later, but on to you guys. What, uh, what are your first, first thoughts on this episode? So, you know, as you're talking, like I was just thinking about this, and this is probably going to be difficult to do at this time. If I wanted to like start ranking episodes, I feel like it's going to be safe to do this once all of them are out. But I kind of feel like this one's probably going to be on the lower end of the list. Not that it was a bad episode. It's just you get questions, you get some really good points made, like some really good nods, really good references, but you do get a lot of a lot of like things of like, so I wonder if they're going to bring certain people back in because certain things are made. This was also the first time where I was getting too much of a feeling of a whole different show, which is very unlike Marvel. And I think we talked about this a little bit in the last one, just from like the very last scene. But yeah, I, the intro, like the whole, probably like the first 10, 15 minutes, it felt like it was an ep- I was watching an episode of The Boys off of Amazon Prime. And... You know, that's a little unlike Marvel to do that kind of stuff. Um, but that's just the vibe I was getting from it. And so that was like made me feel a little bit weird about it. But yeah, you get some new characters. So you're starting to get you're getting into like some of their story a little bit. And then it was just like a lot of questions of like, where are they going to go with everything? Well, I really liked the episode. I think it might be my favorite one that we've watched so far, and now we're three episodes in. Um, I think that that's because it has so much about what I like about these two characters, um, seeing a lot of the personalities, seeing a lot of conflict between them. I like <laughs> not to not to jump too much into what we're talking about later, but I wanted to see the therapy scene ever since the first trailer came out, and we got that in episode two, and I was so excited. Um, And like you guys were saying, we got introduced to a lot of new characters. We got to see a couple of different sides of U.S. Agent, which I thought was interesting. Um, And like you were saying, Drew, uh, touching on a lot of uh, like actual real-world issues. So 
I really appreciated the episode. And also, I haven't seen The Boys, so I don't know <laughs> about that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was great. Well, I, I do I do recommend The Boys. It is just fantastic. And uh, I think you'd, you'd probably enjoy it. Um, but really quick, one thing that we were really like concerned about was kind of set at ease. Like, we got the two main characters together yes. at the beginning. <laughs> okay, so... It was my only problem. <laughs> they 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 put them together so fast. Yeah, there was literally no build up this episode. The whole last episode, it was kind of like, okay, they're separate. And at the end of the episode, they were like, Bucky, go see Sam. Sam's been calling you, and you're like, okay, cool. They're gonna try to meet. And then the next episode, it was just like he got mad at Sam, and then boom, he was right where Sam was, and was like, hey man, we got to talk. And I was like, whoa, ho, 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 hold on. You just like slammed them together and then he was just on the plane with him and they jumped straight into the mission together. And I was like, oh, I wanted, I didn't want like an entire episode of them still apart, but I wanted a little fanfare yeah. getting them together. I had no yeah. complaints. I mean, I've been it, waiting. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what this whole show is about. So you kind of get it. I mean, it's, it's, they both witnessed that the government's doing some stuff. They're bringing in this new Captain America. So it kind of like, that's what really sets them on the same level of like, mm. all right, like, as yeah, I think that gives more, a lot more that basically lit the fire under Bucky. Right. Mm. Because he knows like Sam was given the shield. Why'd you give it away? Like I got to get there and we got to figure this out. Cause that was a dumb mistake. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I think that's like his whole. That was like his whole motive in in episode two. Mm-hmm. That scene of Bucky watching uh, the interview with John Walker on TV was like horrible. He was so sad. He looked so stricken, just curled up on the bare floor, like we saw him sleeping in episode one. It was terrible. So I understood that he was going to take action like immediately. Um, but also, what about the intro for John Walker? Oh my gosh, I. There is nothing that will get me more excited than a good marching band and like a fun marching band song. And as soon as it started, I immediately recognized it and immediately was like this. I mean, there's no way they're going to top this as far as opening sequences for me, at least. It was it was essentially a recut of Captain America's propaganda scene where he was doing the like. It was that song that was like remixed into a fun, poppy marching band song. And then he pretty much did all the same things too, right? Like he was signing toys. He was like shaking hands with people. And so the whole time I was like, I hate you, John Walker. But man, oh man, I love this song and I love this open. And I'm all U.S. agent, U.S. agent. And then he sat down and then I was like, oh yeah, I don't like you at all (laughs) yeah yeah i think that was a solid intro because it really set up that you know the whole episode is really just nods to the captain america films Mm -hmm. in so many different little ways and and like every i think every character had like one line or or one phrase or something some moment that referenced one of whether it was the winter soldier or it was the first avenger film um I like that like right at the beginning, like the first thing that you see is referencing to the comics for John Walker. Um, so you get like his high school jersey number when he peels the sticker off the locker. 
So the JW10 is referenced to his jersey number. It also references that his character um, can lift 10 tons and he had a class 10 super strength, which is pretty fascinating. So that's one thing that I was I was on the fence about the whole episode because during the Good Morning America scene, they like they tell him like, oh, your body was studied and all this stuff. And it shows him throwing the shield and like, so the whole time you're like, oh, he has super strength. Like he some he got the serum. But then later in the episode, when he and Battlestar, right, when they jump out of the helicopter to help fight the super soldiers, I it doesn't he doesn't have like Cap or Bucky super soldier strength, it seems. Like it, it just seemed kind of like he was really good at throwing the shield and was like maybe stronger than the average person, but I didn't see like super soldier John Walker. And so the whole time I, I I couldn't figure out like, does he, or does he not have super strength right now? I don't think he does. Like I I also was wondering early on, like, did they give him the full cap treatment, put him in the little tubey thing and all that. But I'm like you. I didn't see any signs that he did. So maybe that's what this is building towards. We know all these people have got the serum now. Maybe he's going to seek that out so that he can be more more at Cap's level. Because um, he's doing a lot now to try to get, I guess, like to legitimize himself as Captain America. Like he's trying to get Sam and Bucky to like him and they don't. Um, so that could just be the next step. We've already seen him getting really, really frustrated in this episode and in the next one. Um, so... I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he's headed. Yeah, I'm going to agree there. Um, I think it could lead up to him being somewhat of a villainous type. I, I I don't know if they would do this in the finale. It could be like, you know, maybe the episode before. But I think we'll see a really... I'm, I've got this feeling we're going to see a really good fight scene between like Walker and Sam. And and it may be after he takes the serum. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've been having this feeling and... You know, even during the first episode, it seemed like they were they were trying to show so many different villains, right? Like, we don't really know who's the actual big bad this season because there's like six right now. And I did some more research after our last episode on John Walker and found out that like, so he was U.S. He wasn't U.S. agent first. He was, I don't remember, something else. He was something else first. And then he became Captain America and then he became U.S. agent. But he became U.S. agent because when he was Captain America, his parents got killed and then he went berserk and killed a bunch of people. And then somehow that's how he became U.S. agent. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, well, he, that has to happen, right? Like that he's we've already seen him like have a temper tantrum. He's like. He's, I don't know, more susceptible to his flaws than Cap was, like the original Captain America. So I could definitely see something happening down the line where, like, he's a, I don't know, like a mini boss that they have to beat or something. Definitely probably towards the end of this show, but I don't think he's going to be like the last episode. They have to fight John Walker and Battlestar. Well, I guess the question I have is, um, 
are we ever going to see a power broker? Because it seems in the the comics, power broker has been different people. So I'm not really sure what storyline we'll get with that. But I do know that um, that uh, John Walker and Battlestar, uh, who's who Lamar. Side note, I hate his uniform. I hate that they put his name like right on his chest. I just think that's the worst. I don't know why they did that. But anyway, <laughs> but both of them eventually will meet up with Power Broker and he's going to experiment on them. I don't unless it's by hap if it's happened already, I just feel like that seems too weak. It seems like they would be stronger. So I feel like it's that's what it's going to have to lead up I to. Agree. The question I, I have agree. is will we actually get to see Power Broker or not? I don't it's hard to tell right now if they're even going to fight Power Broker. But are we actually going to see him? I don't I see I don't know that we'll see him. I think that it'll be something that they leave for later down the line. Um, as someone in their back pocket, but I definitely could see this series leading to Power Broker experimenting on them, and maybe from them he experiments on uh, Lieutenant Torres, right? And maybe that's how we start this series of because I mean, if you look up Power Broker and who all he has created, essentially, I mean the list is crazy long. It's like thirty, forty people that got their powers from Power Broker in different instances throughout the MCU, but they're not MCU, I guess. Whatever, the comic universe. Um, so it could very well be like the beginning of a new series down the line that they kind of want to keep in their back pocket, but they want to make sure that we know, hey, he's here, he's part of this. Speaking of Power Broker and people getting powers we finally get to see isaiah bradley and not only do we see isaiah bradley we see his nephew who in the show is not named but in the credits it has his name eli bradley eli is his nephew in the comics eli is part of the young avengers who doesn't have a real super strength but he gets super strength through um like a cocktail sort of made from uh, Isaiah's blood but I don't know that he ever actually gets it and keeps it I think it's more of like a temporary like he takes these little vials or whatever whenever he needs strength but he doesn't always have it but it's exciting to see someone from Young Avengers I know Hawkeye uh, is, or Kate Bishop is later down the line um, she's a part of the Young Avengers so I'm, I'd be excited to see where that goes and if it is if it falls into that, like Teen Titans is always made for kids, right? So is Young Avengers going to be like cheesier and for kids? Or is it going to be like the new Teen Titans show? And they're going to be like, no, no. The people that want to watch Young Avengers are the same people that watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. And they don't want to see, they want a show that comes out just for kids. So I don't know. That's all for later, I guess. But I was excited that that, that was Wanda's in there. kids also in the Young Avengers? Yep. Yes. That's uh, one of the notes that I have is, uh, see, I totally missed that. I totally missed that they, they name dropped him the credits because I was looking, I wasn't even looking at the text. I was looking at everything going behind the text <laughs> this time. But yeah, so we've got Billy and Tommy from WandaVision. You've got Casey Lang from Ant-Man. We're about to get Kate Bishop. And then we're getting America, America Chavez in Dr. Strange too. Mm -hmm. So we're, I, I've, I've, 
feel confident to say like, yeah, we're going to get a young Avengers. They, they've yeah. already got all the characters set up in some way. So I wonder if it'll be a late 2021 or if it's going to be like, if it's even going to be further 2023 or something. Uh, no. Yeah. I, it's gotta be later. It's gotta be like a, it, it, it probably will be announced in 22, but I, yeah, I bet you 23. Uh, well, jumping back to what you said that you, you were paying attention to what was behind everything. Um, I guess there was something behind everything that I definitely missed last week or for episode one. I don't know if you guys missed it as well, but, um, Thaddeus Ross, he's like the dad in the Hulk, uh, who's also Red Hulk, I guess, is what he's eventually going to be. I, I don't know if they're going to work that in or not. Um, but he's also shown up in the Avengers. Um, I believe in Civil War, he shows up to talk to them. Um, but he, in the comics, is trying to, and I think in Hulk is actually the reason that he is trying to find the place in South America, um, is trying to create an army of super soldiers. Well, in the comics, I guess he's trying to create an army of super soldiers with the help of Power Broker. So there's a line that appears, and it has his name at the beginning, and his name is crossed out. Um, and then the line is, like, redacted. But, I mean, that's another thing to think about. Like, is this another person in the MCU that we could get as, like, a, a pop-up or crossover character in this show that's not like a I know I know we all said that we want uh Ant-Man to show up but it's not it's not like a big name like Ant-Man or the Hulk or something like that it's like okay here's this guy that's kind of popped up here and there he plays a big part but he's not like a huge character in the movie so they could easily just shove him into this show and it'd be like a oh an, an uh-oh moment of hey is this where this is going because right now we still kind of don't know who's bad, who's good, who's doing what. We're just kind of guessing. Kind of like with WandaVision. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like, what's happening right now? But at, le- but at least now it's like, all right, well, we've also seen a bunch of stuff that's yeah. making us ask these questions. Right? I feel like in WandaVision, it was like, I mean, from the beginning, everyone was like, hold yeah. oh, on, what are, it's kinda where are we, yeah. what are we doing? So like with WandaVision, I guess we had the commercials with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, we have the credits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind <of> yeah, <laughs> nitpick like all these different clues and stuff. Which there's uh, there's two other things, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save it until we talk about uh, until we talk about episode three. I'll reference episode two. Um, one other, I think this this was probably the most special moment for me in this whole episode was basically like one of the very last scenes when you see uh, when they reveal Zemo is the cell number, which is a reference to uh, Princess Leia's cell number from A New Hope. His cell number was 2187. I didn't catch that. I wrote that down as well because that my first thought when I saw it, I was like, I got to look up numbers. And boy, oh boy, do I have a crazy thing that I looked up for you guys in episode three, but we're not there yet. Uh, but yes, as <laughs> well, soon yeah, as I saw that's it, a I was great like, point because oh. <laughs> uh, that was like the very first thing we saw was JW10. I was like, all right, here's 10. Like, this has to mean something. What yep. does this mean? And there's just nitpicking all of that. That was like so many clues um, numbers, letters, 
saw something. Yeah, we can talk about um, a lot of the other nods to like the Captain America. Like, I think one of the ones I really liked was, um, would you ever, you know, throw yourself on a grenade? And Walker was like, he's like, oh, yeah, I've done that many times. Like, my helmet, you know, is made of this special material, blah, blah, blah. And then you, but if you really think back of like Captain America, like he threw mm. himself. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that the show has done a really good job of making John Walker seem like a a carbon copy, but but like one that's then been put through this weird government procedures where like yeah, he's good and yeah, he jumps on grenades and he's strong and he's smart, but like he's also sucks at talking and kind of has an anger problem but you know he's close <laughs> but he, he just seems like fake like everything about him is so manufactured for what the government wants him to do yeah that goes back to my reference of the boys that's why this feels so much like the boys so if you're not familiar with the boys it follows people that have these you know superhuman abilities but they're basically all under this organization that runs their day-to-day -day, like all their marketing all their social media that basically tells them what to say and you know it's like they're that's just what this felt like so much i agree i definitely agree i think the farther we got into the episode like the uglier he seemed to get because at the very beginning i was like huh maybe we misjudged him just a just a tad in the first episode just because of his ugly suit and him not being steve because whenever he's in that locker room and he has two people who love him very much coming and like just checking in and he doesn't seem super arrogant he seems a little bit nervous and i was like maybe maybe he's okay he's he's fine and then you know what? probably not the more he talked uh he just got worse and worse and worse after after the surprisingly non douchey introduction, he just kept going and could, yeah, <laughs> he kept overstepping with Bucky and Sam, uh, like just trying to pal it up with them and get them on his side. And even when they were giving him very clear signals that no, we're not into this at all, he just had to push them even further. Mm -hmm. And when you definitely see it a lot, like when uh, when he first jumps down to help them. And he throws the shield and Bucky has to move out of the way. It's not like he threw the shield around Bucky. I mean, he threw the shield as if it were going to like through Bucky. Like he doesn't care. Get out of his way. Like I, I think that as much as he acts like he wants to help them, he just wants to use them for whatever he can. Because I think he's, cap. yeah. Yeah. To him, to him, it's, just, it's a job. Exactly. It's a job. It's not a life. You know, he he's that's the only way that he's looking at it is they're telling me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not really going to care about these other people. I'm just going to probably try to manipulate them and see if I can get them on my side to make my job easier. Right. <laughs> I think that at this point, at least, I think he is very sincere in wanting to be a good Captain America. But at the same time, I think that he's got kind of the same anxiety that Sam has where he's not sure he's up to the job. And so I think that's where a lot of his frustration is coming from. Like nothing's working out from him or for, for him. He can't uh, get Bucky or Sam to give him the time of day. They can't find the leads that he's looking for. And he's just getting angrier and angrier and angrier. He's not dealing with it like Steve would. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think it goes back to he, he's treating it like a job. Like, I agree. I think he, in his mind, he wants to do the right thing. But for him, the right thing is everything that he's been trained to do through the military. And I feel like when Steve was trained by the military, it was such a different time. And it was more about like, hey, you got to do the right thing. I mean, we even see that when Steve is younger and before he gets into the military, he's very like, he wants to do the right thing. He wants to help the little guy. He wants to save people. Whereas John Walker just seems like he, he was like all Americans, you know, football, got into the military, shot up through the ranks in the military, but it was never like he, he was trying to help anybody other than himself. But in his mind, he was like, I'm saving people. I'm in the military. So I, I think that that's sort of showing now with, with his frustrations of everyone expecting him to live up to this title that I think he knows he can't live up to. And then he has to go and call Steve his brother, even though he had just said he never met him. He's like, oh, but I consider him a brother. And that's when Bucky's just like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I think my last thing for this episode uh, was the couple moments that we get to see that it all kind of started when they were going to see Eli and the kid stops them. And he's like, oh, hey, Black Falcon. And he's like, why? Because I'm Falcon and I'm black. And I was like, I mean, it's kind of like a, it's almost like Marvel admitting. They're like, yeah, we know that we did that a lot. Like, I know they did it with uh, Black Goliath. And then later they changed his name just to Goliath. So I, I was I was like, okay, I like that. But then when they come out and they're arguing on the street and the cops pull up, I mean, it for me it wasn't like I wasn't like, I'm watching a Marvel movie. It was like, oh my god, this is like a tense like situ are they gonna arrest him? Like what's gonna happen? This is insane how this is happening right now in this Marvel show. But I also think it's an important thing to show people and so it's like a look, it can, it's happening. It's even happening to an Avenger. And so I was like, okay, Marvel, I see you. This is cool. I like this. Uh, but it was definitely a, a tonal shift. Like as soon as they, even as soon as they met with Bradley, it was like quick tonal change from them, like bantering to each other as they get to his house, they get to his house, everything changes. It's super serious for a good 15 minutes yeah i I think that was really smart because it definitely um gets you immersed into the show more because at that point i agree like i wasn't even viewing it as like this marvel show even going back to like the first episode that we talked about when you know you're getting more of like their day-to-day struggles and like how are we gonna you know pay for this and you know it's like i've got to go do all this stuff and save the world basically but when i come home it's how am i gonna eat it's kind of weird, interesting, you know. And then now you're like, right? You got to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, another little nod, similar, similar to that. I did like the the like the Black Falcon because I dove into that, you know, because it was a good nod to like Black Panther and Black Goliath and all these characters. And I was reading into the shift when they started dropping that for some of the characters, which is pretty fascinating. But um, when uh, when we got the White Wolf re- reference. You know, I started digging into that and curious if if Bucky is going to stay as the Winter Soldier or if he wants to be the White Wolf. Well, 
in the comics, I believe the White Wolf is like a completely different character from Bucky. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't remember if he's head of or he's part of like Wakanda security, like Wakanda police, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened in the movies, I remember when he said that he was the White Wolf, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I wonder if they're kind of like merging these characters since he's not a uh, White Wolf isn't like a huge character. I mean, yeah, in the Black Panther Wakanda comics that I've read, he's not a huge character so i was like okay that makes sense that they're trying to like merge these two characters into one but now that he said it again in the show it's like okay i feel like they really are like maybe during his time in wakanda he became part of the wakandan police and he really was the white wolf sure i think they're throwing a little too much into these episodes because now it's getting harder to decipher like is this just a really cool nod to to into this universe or is this a clue that we're going to get something? You know, like one of my favorite parts of like Endgame was when you see Hawkeye. Like he's not Hawkeye anymore. You know, he's someone completely new. And I hate it because the name had just slipped from my brain. Ronan. Oh, Ronan. <laughs> Ronan, yeah. Um, so now, because when I saw that, I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. It's like, are we going to see this transition at the end where like Bucky's you know, he's trying to like get out of this like winter soldier, you know, pain that he's in more or less like, you know, what he's been through. So like, is the white wolf, is that going to get him out of that? Like, is he going to go that route? I think that'd be really fascinating to see. But yeah, definitely. I don't know. I could definitely see him going that way just because I think that Sam's going to end up being the new Captain America. Just throwing my thoughts out there. I think if the two if the two of them had the chance, I think Sam would do it and, and Bucky would go back to Wakanda. So I definitely agree. Well, uh, I would say the, the the very last note I could probably make, um, this was part of the credits, and I think this was on the same screen. Um, you get another nod to Captain America, but this time it was from Endgame, where there, there was one of the steals that said, uh, where do we go now that they're gone? which was like on the poster as you get into like the, the group meeting that Steve was in. I thought that was nice. Cause like now that I like, I'm like thinking about it. I think that was really good because throughout this whole episode from you really started with references to the first Avenger and then references to winter soldier. And now you're getting this final reference to end game, but I'm pretty sure it was on the same screen. You got the power broker is watching. Yeah. But the top. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I keep, I keep thinking like every time I watch it, I feel like I need to sit down and watch the credits, which sounds ridiculous that I'm going to watch just the credits of all three episodes. But every time I watch it, I, I can't tell if I'm finding something new or if there just is something new in the credits. So may, maybe when, when it's all said and done, we'll have a special episode and always we'll talk <laughs> about the credits. Credits only. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, I think with that, we're going to move on to episode three, uh, which aptly named Power Broker. Um, I first thoughts, I think I got too excited. There are a lot of things that I really like that are teased and mentioned and walked by and shown on screen. And then by the end of the episode, they left. And I was like, why would you do that? 
to me, <laughs> I wanted so much more. We'll dive into that when we're in the episode. I don't want to give anything away yet. Uh, so let's hear your first thoughts on episode three. This episode kind of felt like the Zemo show. He just kind of like comes in, takes immediate control. Bucky and Sam are just kind of like on the sidelines, like side glancing at each other after Zemo shows up. And then, you know, Sharon comes in and we don't fully know what's going on with her. But like, yeah, Zemo, it's it feels like it's all about him in this episode. He breaks out of jail within like literally five minutes. (laughs) And... And then he's just like hanging out with them and doing their thing, but also kind of like carefully coercing and guiding them to do what he wants them to do. It's all, it feels very shady, even though they're trying to make him, it feels like they're trying to make him seem like kind of lockable. Maybe like they kind of do with Loki a little bit, make him a villain that you can kind of like be interested in, but I I don't trust him. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love that. The Zemo show. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, yeah, definitely. There okay, yeah. So for this, I would agree. There's two major major things that happen in this episode. I definitely like this one better than the previous one, but for me there were a couple of like very cringeworthy moments that I was like, "Why are you doing this, Marvel?" We can talk about those later. But maybe let's talk about Zemo first because I like kind of like what they're doing with him in certain ways. Um, I think one of the big developments from this is that they're taking the different versions of him and kind of merging them, I think, because I believe in the, in the films, he, he had a different reference. Whereas this one, we're getting a little bit more of the Baron Zemo version. So you're kind of seeing like, he's got a wealthy background. Like the guy's got his own private jet. Hmm. Again, this kind of circles back to episode one. You got these heroes that save the world that like basically have no income and they're like, you got money? Like, <laughs> like you got your own jet? Like, how, why don't we have this? But it's like an old jet with, like, moldy food in it. Like, I, yeah. I was confused I mean, it's, as, as, at what was yeah, happening Yeah, it was there. a little weird, <laughs> but, you know. Like, some of those moments just were kind of weird. But, um, but yeah, it's it's like, is he going to be, like, this mad villain? It, you just know, give him a sword. Like, Where's his sword? <laughs> That's what I want. The whole episode, I kept he pulled his mask out, and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to see, like, a sword in that car. Nope, no sword. Later, he like jumps in to save them with his mask on. I was like, he's going to pull out a knife or something, and it's going to be like his sword. No, that never happened. I was like, oh, come on, give the guy a sword. I know it's only his first episode, but. I, so You're I guess supposed I, to be a baron. <laughs> yeah. But the, the mask was cool. I feel like they were leading up to that because I think that's been consistent in the credits mm-hmm. is we do see one credit uh, with him and the mask and the hood. Mm-hmm. So I, I did like that. They kind of like brought that in. Um, it was like a first time thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, you know, yeah, it was, it was one of those weird moments. Like, you know, I think thinking about like the whole escape from prison thing now, I mean, I'm thinking of like a mission impossible when like uh, Ethan was like <laughs> stuck in jail and they had to get him out. I see a lot of resemblance in that same kind of motions, same kind of doing things. I was going to say it it lined up with his, the way he like did the whole thing with the Senator in the first episode where it was like Bucky telling the story sort of, and then we would cut to something completely different happening. And I got that vibe again. And I was like, please do this at least once every other episode, because I love it is <laughs> it's funny. And like the whole time I was like, oh, I love 
like heist movies and prison break movies, especially like ocean, the oceans movies where they're, they like, you don't really know what's happening until the very end. And they show you how they did it. And you're like, Oh, of course. And so the whole time I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like he's escaping. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, what if this is just a trick and he didn't get him out? But then they did get him out. But that's all I could think the whole time was like, am I being punked right now? All I could think was, I don't know if y'all have seen these, this YouTube series called Pitch Meetings, but they have a phrase that they use in almost every single one, which is, uh, it'll be super easy, barely an inconvenience. And it's always something that seems like it should be a huge obstacle to the characters in the movies, and it's just not. And in his case, it's escaping from like super prison. Oh, no, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. He's going to steal some guy's uniform and just kind of slip out like he was never in there. And no one's going to go looking for him at all. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody really, it didn't seem to raise any <laughs> alarm until we see Captain America and Battlestar there. And the guy was just like, oh, do you think that had anything to do with it? And they were like, come on, let's leave. And they left. And I was like, what is this like incompetent prison <laughs> that they just like let people go because there's a fire drill and a riot at the same time? I'm confused. Yeah, they do not seem concerned at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, you know, and, and that, that just may be, that just may go into like, you know, we're only getting so many episodes. So I feel, I feel like in each one, we're going to have these kind of moments where like they've got to do something kind of tacky or cheesy or just convenient, not fully. Yeah. Just to push the story through. Right. Yeah. Moving along. So let's talk about where they go. Oh, yes. Please let's <laughs> to, to Madripoor. Madripoor is like cyberpunk Tokyo 2035, crazy bright neon lights everywhere. I was so excited when I saw it. I was so excited when they said they were going there because it's a huge place in the X-Men comics. I mean, any X-Men that you can think of has probably been to Madripoor once or twice, including my favorite, who we'll get to, because there's a huge note that pops on screen for one second and they don't even go there, which upset me. Yeah, they go to the other place, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, my God, I was so excited that that's where they were going. And uh, it was just kind of, I feel like it opens up a whole new world of opportunity for them to start series, to take series. I mean, Madripoor is essentially just... It's Moss Eisley, but for the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. like the whole Marvel Universe. Uh, right. So I, I was I was kind of bummed we didn't see more nods to things while we were there, just because there are so many people that have ties to Madripoor. Right. Um, but I was excited with the ones that we did see. Yeah. Yeah, I think like outside of just Madripoor itself, we had three things that happened there that kind of lead back. But yeah, essentially, this is a place, you know, this is a made up place because what it, isn't it, they then didn't I thought they said it was like outside of like Indonesia or within Indonesia. Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah. like Singapore. Uh, yeah, but but this is specific to Marvel that Marvel has created this. But yes, this was like a first really big note to X-Men. I think this is like a true note to X-Men versus what we got, which is what people were expecting out of WandaVision mm-hmm. when we saw the, you know, the other version of Pietro. Mm-hmm. Um, so may, maybe this is just kind of saying like, we know we let you down. 
Yeah, well, so when they said uh, they were going to see Selby. So mm-hmm. in the comics, I think Selby's only in like two comics. Mm-hmm. Not a huge character. But Selby is a mutant. Mm-hmm. Also an African-American man. But, I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter to me that they gender swapped. I think that that's cool. Go for it. I was kind of bummed that Selby got killed uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> they, they go up to meet with her, and then two seconds later, she's dead. And I was like, oh, you you teased me with a potential mutant, and then you killed them so that they can't ever come back. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I guess you got me, Marvel. Um but that was that was a big moment for me when they were like, we got to go see Selby. I was like, I remember Selby. Selby's <laughs> a mutant. Are we about to see our first MCU mutant? Nope. Just an <laughs> arms dealer or whatever in a yeah. bar. Speaking of bar. Yeah. They walked past. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say, like, right before we even get to Selby, we see, like, two signs. One of those is the princess bar, which they did not go to. Which, Why? How hard would it have been to go into the princess bar and just show an eye patch hanging from like a hook on the wall? And I would have been ecstatic. They've got money. I would have been they, they, so happy. They can get Hugh to make an appearance. What? One yes. Thing. Because yes. that's what everyone's like. Is everyone's <laughs> like, now you got to rewatch and look in the background to see, do you see anyone that oh, looks I like did. Wolverine? So princess bar, <laughs> that was Wolverine's hangout spot when he was in between missions, but he never went as Wolverine. He'd go as patch and wore yeah, patch. he actually was a, a co-owner uh oh he's a co-owner point. okay yeah at one point he was a co-owner of the princess bars patch uh after he loses a fight um a pretty big fight he he goes there and uh ends up in madripoor helping a bunch of local uh flair with their issues there and that's when he takes on patch and and becomes a co-owner of the princess bar and i think that there's even like a weird like gray hulk patch duo at the princess bar at some point in time in the comics but yes as soon as i saw that i was like please go in there please just have any kind of patch reference i don't care what it is like i said it could have been in the background an eye patch hanging on the wall and i would have been like they did it they did it they put patch in here it's canon (laughs) because we don't really know like the X-Men timeline with the MCU timeline. We don't know where people are at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. So, God, I was so excited. (laughs) Yeah, that was a real special moment. But they, they end up going to Brass Monkey and digging so selby has so many references I, and i should have noted all these down but there's about five or six different references to to selby so they they may have just tried to take a little piece of each of them and try to merge it into this character that we got um but you know of course like you said the one that excited me the most was that yes this you know this person was a mutant <laughs> um that could talk to computers and like get codes and things like that which is kind of cool mm-hmm I feel like there were a couple missed opportunities while we were here for more nods. Not that the show needs more nods to things, but uh, uh, when they go into the art museum and the only thing I could see was like a blurry red shape and what looked like a suit of armor. And I was like, 
I kept pausing the video every time the clarity was like enough for me to kind of make out what it was. And then finally the camera angle changed and it was just a helmet and like not, not a special helmet, just like a Spartan helmet and a normal suit of armor. And I was like, oh man, I thought that was going to be something cool that I saw. Uh, I, I liked the idea of having this like whole world set up basically like we didn't get to madripoor and not understand what it was like we got there and everything was explained without explaining it directly to i mean i guess zemo kind of explains it to you but i feel like everything else was kind of set up in a way that made you just dive straight into it and understand it i didn't know anything about madripoor so whenever they said that they were going there and they started walking and i saw the city i was like okay fake tokyo let's go that was <laughs> that was all I needed to know. And I was like, okay, so this is where we are. I didn't know anything about the connection to the X-Men. Quite a bit. We actually had one other one. Well, not so much the X-Men in a way, but a smiling tiger. Mm-hmm. So when they get there, they were basically like, Zemo was like, okay, you're going to be the Winter Soldier again, which kind of like leads you. I think that's more of a clue. Like that's his whole goal. I think, I think Zemo would rather have control over him uh, and being able to use you utilize him, mm. you know, to fight and whatever. Um, but we do we do see that he can fight too. You know, he knows how to take people down. Whereas with Sam, he's known as Smiling Tiger, which I'd never heard of before. So I had to look into that. Um, Smiling Tiger was part of the New Warriors, and this is kind of another nod because he actually looks very similar when he's in costume. He looks almost like Wolverine, like he's got clawed clawed fingers Mm -hmm. um but his suit is kind of like the yellow and black Mm -hmm. and if i remember he's also in the thunderbolts um and there's a fun little backstory when i think it's when he's in the new warriors they steal a quinjet from the avengers and crash in madripoor and that's how smiling tiger becomes like they crash there and he's stuck there and then so he just decides to build a crime empire so smiling tiger becomes a criminal lord in Madripoor. So I thought that that was kind of funny that here he is playing this character that like, come on, everyone in Madripoor would know Smiling Tiger. They wouldn't be fooled by like a kind of lookalike. Yeah. So I thought that that was kind of, I don't know, I thought that was kind of like a funny nod that they did. Um, But on the other side of the Thunderbolts is the Thunderbolts was actually uh, the new Masters of Evil originally, which was formed by Zemo. Uh, that was a bunch of supervillains pretending that they were good so that they could get like hidden shield intel. But then most of them decided through that that they were actually going to be good. So there's a bunch. If you look up like the list of who's on the Thunderbolts, there are a couple big bad guy names that are still bad guys, but a lot of them ended up changing sides and becoming heroes. So I was like, oh, this is kind of like a weird tangled web of like, Here's a Marvel reference, Smiling Tiger. But did you know Smiling Tiger came from a team that was put together by Zemo? So it's like a ooh, like a reference in a reference because here's Zemo. So I thought that was kind of funny. Referenceception. That's <laughs> all we're getting. So what happens after this was kind of what I made a note of earlier, something that happened in episode two. So in episode two, they uh, Sam and Bucky had this moment where they talk about, well, let's go steal the shield. And they talk about like, well, remember when we did that with Sharon? And then I was like, 
Are we going to see Sharon? <laughs> Episode three. We see Sharon. <laughs> Sharon is back. So now she's here, you know, and they got to like figure out like, okay, we need your help again. But she's like, no, no, no. Well, but then I, yes. <laughs> yeah. But then yes. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because we see Sharon kind of helping them escape this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, after, I mean, we don't really know. Like, I assume Sharon killed uh, Selby. Somebody shot Selby. She was in the club. So then, do we? Um, because they <laughs> they showed um, whenever they were first walking into the bar. Um, there was a girl in like a black hood that kind of peeked over there and then like did this and walked off. So she clearly recognized him. That had to have been Sharon. Whenever I noticed that girl, I was like, oh, that's right. Sharon. She's waiting to see those boys. So I think it was her that killed Selby. So she, sh- she, she shot there. Selby and then she has to have like lightning fast movement. Either that or she has <laughs> like her own, which later in the episode we do see that she has like a an assistant, a secretary. I don't really know what her driver is to her but it seems like some sort of partner mm-hmm. because then we also see somebody shooting people that are chasing them but then all of a sudden she comes around a corner and i was like how did she how did she shoot from a window way over here and then also run around this corner like five seconds later so I, it almost makes you think like and we kind of see throughout the episode like them uh, Sam saying like come back with us and she's like no I can't go back and he's like I can get you a pardon and she's like eh. so I wonder if she has built her own little army or or empire or something in Madripoor oh, that we don't know yet she's got something going on yeah she would have her own network yeah oh yeah she'd have to yeah so I thought that was fun um, you know seeing her in action a weird note if she owns this place that has all this priceless art why would you throw a party where people can (sighs) drink and dance and touch the art that seemed ridiculous to me like that's a bad idea you have a a, an original van gogh painting and somebody is like sloshing a whiskey and coke on it as they dance next to it like (laughs) hold on What, what is this place so yeah that was the cringeworthy moment for me was I think they could have made that so much cooler. Like, I didn't think the music was cool. You know, seeing Zemo do his little dance thing. I thought that was very <laughs> lame. Um, you know, if you're going to do a, a something like that, I would pull out like Blade as a reference and make it like they could have. It's that's this is a tough thing is like this could have gone like, look at where they're, they're at. They're like they're at this new place. They could have made it really dark and edgy add so much layer of a cool and it's like they were doing that and then they just had to like make it more friendly and cheesy and cheery and yeah yeah they made it like a, it looked like a rave yeah that like anybody could have gone to yeah but it's supposed to be like the seedy side of madripoor like exactly. who would be at this party like why are there thousands of people here dancing i just kept watching every single nightclub scene in this episode like ugh youths <laughs> <laughs> it was just <laughs> It's it past your very, bedtime. Very yes. It's like, go home. <laughs> All of you. Well, after that, we, we get to see them. They, they figure out a lead, which is Dr. Wilfred Nagel. So they are able to follow up on this lead, and they get to go in, and they see him working on more serum, and 
he kind of explains to them like, hey, I, yeah, I made the serum. I was able to isolate it from Isaiah Bradley's blood, but then I disappeared in the blip. And then when I came back, he, he just said that the program was shut down. But I feel like, yeah, it was probably shut down because half of the population disappeared. But now they're back, so you could just start it up again. But instead, he was like, instead, I went to Madripoor and signed on with Power Broker. And I was like, what, what a weird, like, uh, that seems like... You need more story there. Like, yeah, some, that seems like an insane yeah. reaction to them being like, oh, no, we closed that program down. Well, I'm going to go be a criminal then. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I want to jump to the part that I, I did a little bit too much research on, which was during this whole thing, uh, Sharon is outside fighting off a bunch of hitmen that have come to kill them. And one of the guys that she tackles to the ground has a tattoo that they seem to prominently show <laughs> that is on his whatever this is. Forearm? Yeah, sort of mm -hmm. like across the ridge of his arm. And so I paused it. I held my computer upside down. I jotted it all down. It's French, which I do not speak. <laughs> so I then translated said French saying, uh, and it translates to, we only fussed over the surface a little. I looked it up. Doesn't have any ties to anything in Marvel. And then in my mind, just to give myself peace of mind, I was like, maybe this is like a funny nod from the costuming department that was like, oh, we only did like the bare minimum <laughs> on this guy's tattoos. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a joke. Or maybe it's this guy's real tattoo and yeah. it means yeah. something in French <laughs> and I don't know. But I felt very defeated once I, I figured this out and I can't believe I wasted like 30 minutes trying to read this blurry French tattoo so that I could translate it. <laughs> this is what I will do. I see. I didn't notice that. I didn't pay attention to any of the people that she had to like pick off or look at the details there. So now like I'm gonna, when I rewatch the episode, I'll dive into that too. Yeah. It's the guy, it's the guy that slams her up against the, the thing and she falls on the ground and then she grabs him and has him in like an okay, arm. Yeah, choke. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were just accentuating the fact that she was choking him out with his arm and her leg. But they made it seem like they really wanted me to read this tattoo on his arm. <laughs> that seems that's what Marvel's doing with these these series. They want us to like look at every little thing. I did the same thing with the uh, the shipping crate number uh, for Doctor Wilfred, uh, which was four two six one. I did find a reference to Earth four two six one, which is an Earth different timeline or universe or whatever where the Avengers actually died saving the planet uh, and then a, a new team was formed out of some aliens it almost became more like a like a Superman team kind of came in and replaced the Avengers because they died um, didn't have anything to do with the show so I was like I don't know maybe this is a nod to this or maybe it's just like a coincidence that here's this number and here's this other number same number. Hmm. So a few notes that I had that were some cool nods during this, during this whole, this was like, this was like the very active part of the show that I really enjoyed. But like uh, with Dr. Was it Nagel? Um, yeah. He had some cool, cool little notes there. Um, 
doing some research on him. So, mm-hmm. so Dr. Nagel was a big part in uh, World War II. So, I mean, he's basically created Isaiah Bradley, which was which was a cool nod there. They kind of like twisted that a little bit here, I think. Um, and then the uh, a note that he said was no other scientist scientist since Ersk- Erskine who made the original serum for Steve, but uh, he never took notes. He hated taking notes. Mm-hmm. So the original formula, you know, died with him. So like, that's what's so cool is like, they'll never be able to recreate Captain America. Right. They'll only create just sub versions of them. Which I, if I feel like is what's happening. And even in the last episode, I started to think about it in the post, in the credits, we see, the picture of those little vials. And I almost wonder if it is more of a temporary thing. It's more like, um, what am I trying to think of? I don't know. I think it's more temporary. I think that these like, it's like a knockoff super soldier serum that maybe gives you enhanced strength for a shortened period of time. But the flag smashers who I don't even know if they are flag smashers. Like I feel like, Maybe they're separate, but also I kind of feel like, I don't know, now we've kind of seen the guy that fought Lieutenant Torres, and and so maybe they are the Flag Smashers. I don't, I don't really understand that whole thing. But um, I feel like whatever they got maybe was his actual serum, and so they don't have temporary strength. They are strong. But maybe Power Broker will have some sort of temporary solution which will be what u.s agent and battlestar get maybe it's what sam will end up using like i I don't really know if there will be more serum like super soldier serum soldiers (laughs) say that five times but i think that there will be some sort of like power enhancement drug that gets released through power broker and maybe that's going to cause whatever the final blowout fight is going to be. It's going to be some sort of like a bunch of temporary super soldiers that, I don't know, end up in a scuffle. <laughs> I'm, that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd be cool. Final like fight scene is Sam and Bucky, you know, have to do something to like amp up and then, but they got to take like, you know, it's two against, it's kind of like the end of uh, Iron Man two, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll have some mom- a moment like that where they're, you know, they're, they're side by side. Got to take everyone, all the super soldiers <laughs> out. Uh, do we want to talk about the ending really quick? Because, boy, oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the ending and then I've got one other little note that I have we can talk about at sure, the end. Sure, yeah. So when, when they finally wrap up everything in Madripoor... Um, they're leaving on Zemo's plane and they're trying to figure out where to go next. And he's like, let me do it again. The Zemo show. He's definitely in charge of them. It's like they have little to no say as to what he does or wants to do. They're just kind of along for the ride. Or at least that's, I definitely feel like Bucky is that way. And like, maybe that's something that will come back is that he is slowly, poisoning Bucky's mind into being his servant again. But for the time being, I think 
Bucky just feels like it's the lesser of two evils to follow him. But anyway, they follow him, and when they land, Sam and Zemo go into a building, but Bucky picks up one of the little tracker beads um, from Black Panther and follows a what seems to be a trail of them, but then at the end he only has two in his hand. So I was like, how did he follow the two that were within eyesight of where he was standing to this dark alley? Uh, well, he must have, like, I feel like he noticed them when they were walk like they i don't know it's it's weird like yeah like how do you only have two and and or how did they know where you were going to right. place them there or are they just kind of all over the place yeah yeah you know, well she yeah they could have clarified so, well, that a little bit more when he gets to the alley there's the classic like looks this way nobody turns <laughs> around there's nobody turns around boom <laughs> there's a personal guard from wakanda um and she does have a wrist, like a bracelet, that's made out of the little beads. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they are hers or is it like a Wakanda's got spies everywhere kind of deal. Um, but I was, I was like, oh man, like okay, so we've got Madripoor and Wakanda. I mean, they didn't go to Wakanda, but we've got instances of both in this episode, and we're only on episode three. So, I have, I mean, this this show could literally go anywhere, where I feel like WandaVision was leading us in a very specific direction. Yeah. This show is like, who knows? Who knows where we're going to go next? Oh, yeah. Well, this, this, the whole ending, you know, this goes back to something that was stated earlier, where like, you know the Wakandans believe that Zemo, you know, they, they're like Zemo bombed, you know, the, so like Mm -hmm. they're on his, they're, you know, Zemo is on their radar. And so like, Mm -hmm. yeah, so like they're, they probably been spying on Zemo since he's been in jail. So, you know, that, that was the big nod here. It's like, they're coming for him. Right. And I, and I wonder how, how Bucky is going to, like, how's Bucky going to get him out of this one? But I, I almost feel like that's how it is, right? Like, <laughs> Bucky's... It's almost weird that the show is called Falcon and Winter Soldier because Sam is just kind of like a supporting character as opposed to, like, a co-lead. Um, I feel like he does have his moments, but I feel like, for now at least, this show has been a lot more Bucky-centric. Like... Bucky's the reason that they got together. Bucky's the reason that Sam even is like, ah, oh, man, I need to go get the shield back. Bucky's the reason that they got Zemo. Bucky's the reason now that he's going to protect them from uh, Wakanda. Even in even in Madripoor, Bucky was like the reason they even got to go see Selby in the first place. So this is just a very Winter Soldier show. <laughs> Sam had his good 10 minute open <laughs> for the series, but then that, that was yeah. kind of it. And where's his wings? Yeah. This whole time, he, I mean, he's not even the Falcon now. He's just Sam. And Bucky is always a Winter Soldier. He's always got his metal <laughs> arm, but. Yeah. To, yeah. Getting more of the like the civilian, like we're always going to be in civvies and. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to suit up again until the very end. Right. 
just on the arm really quickly and kind of jumping back to episode two when Bucky's about to jump out of the plane without a parachute why does he rip his sleeve off is there any purpose to that except for to remind <laughs> us that he does have a metal arm maybe no I mean I definitely think it was only yeah. it was a gratuitous like flex of his metal arm yeah it, it, it's yeah it's just like a flex it's just it's fan you know fan service we didn't forget though yeah right <laughs> then i was like oh because i thought the same thing when he ripped it off i was like what was the point of that yeah and then i was like oh maybe it's like a he doesn't want to rip his shirt and i was like oh, i ripped the sleeve off i don't know i have no clue <laughs> yeah just got nothing speaking of bucky really quick before we get to your last point um there was another moment where he they had a big thing with his book uh in this episode and I don't know, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that we know that this is Steve's book that he's been writing all his stuff in. Do we know that? That's what they said. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he gave it to Bucky because it was like, or yeah, it was like Steve's book because it was all the things that he missed. It was like all like the pop culture. Yeah, but I just didn't know that if we knew that that was the same book that Bucky was writing his list in because I don't remember that. Ha- I don't remember Steve giving it to him. Yeah. That's another thing is yeah, to rewatch so much to try to find that, that we had that moment. Um, I was like, Oh, this is Steve's book all of a sudden. And Bucky's just using it as well. Right. And I think we, I think this goes into the credits. I think there's a couple of steals where we get pages from the book that kind of tie that together. Okay. Yeah. Again, we let's let's do a let's do a credits, <laughs> credits episode. Only episode. <laughs> yeah. When when it's when it's the series is over. Um sure. Yeah, so I'll circle back to like oh, I guess my last little note. Did either of you catch the DC reference? The DC nod. I don't think so. Uh should have took a little bit better notes, but there's a moment where who was called Mr. America? Was it Bucky? Yes. Yeah. Someone called him, you know, like, are you Mr. America? Mr. America is like the original, like DC hero. (laughs) He's like, like one of the oldest DC superheroes. Um, but instead of a shield, he had a whip, Uh which is really weird. Yeah. That does seem weird. But there, there was a couple of like different versions of Mr. America, but yeah, they, they went with, they kept with the whip. So it's like, was this just a fan of like, indie like if it was during that time i don't you know i didn't look into like the years and everything but yeah like i thought that was pretty fascinating that they would like throw in a little dc nod there that is pretty funny i know that like uh as much as people want to say like there's a feud right between dc and marvel who's better uh dc and marvel do a lot of like crossover not crossovers Mm -hmm. like the avengers meet justice league but they do a lot of crossover stuff with um there's a really great series if you like comics um that's re stan lee reimagined um mm-hmm. and it's the justice league but reimagined as marvel characters uh and so like superman's an alien from outer space and like the reason he has his powers is because the gravity on earth is different so he can jump and fly batman is a guy that i don't remember if he's like bit by a bat something happens and he can turn into a bat like half yeah. bat half man yeah. 
Uh, so it, it, it was like a really fun thing that they did. And I'm pretty sure that DC got a chance to do the same thing and did like a reimagined Avengers as DC characters. Um, so it, I, I do like this idea of maybe, <laughs> maybe one day far, far in the future after we're all dead, there's going to be an Avengers Justice League crossover event and it's going to blow up the planet because everyone's going to be like, oh my God, it's for everybody. Or we just start writing it now. <laughs> we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll make this when we're 50 or yeah, 60, Yeah, but could, could you imagine James Gunn? I mean, he'd be the only one that could do it, right? Because he's the only one that's done both. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that I don't know that uh, the Feige brothers and Zack Snyder would get along very well. <laughs> I mean, at that point, all we just need their money. And at that point, they'll have <laughs> enough money. Like literally, like you just just give us just each of you just write us a gigantic check so we can go make this, and then you know your name will be on it. And I'd watch it. That's yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it for this week's uh, special double episode. So, but now we're caught up. Caught up. So that's exciting. <laughs> Next week, we will be able to put out the episode along with the episode as it comes out. So that'll be exciting. Is there any other points you guys wanted to hit, I guess, before we wrap? I laughed at the Skull Island reference. I do remember that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I wondered if that was timed. Mm hmm. Like, because uh, we had, we, we all knew when. Kong versus Godzilla was coming out. You know, I, I was wondering just the same thing if if that was kind of scheduled. I do have one one other thought that okay, this was um this was right before this was in the end. I think this was when they were uh um they landed and they were walking around. Did we see the X Men logo in the background? I thought they walked by like one building that was like gated and. Uh, at the center of the gate was like a red circle with an X in the middle. Oh, and like my eyes were just fixated on that. I was like, is that the X-Men symbol? Like I missed that. I'm going to have to go back and look for that. All right. So we got to go back and rewatch this episode. And like, this is near the end when they're walking around, there's a building behind them where there's guards outside. But yeah, like there's, you know what to me looked like this emblem. It was a red circle with an X. And I was like, is that, the, but I, but I did a little bit of digging and no one's talking about that moment. So maybe it's just, this could be a Mace first exclusive. Yeah. Let's just say it now. <laughs> copyright that. I don't know if you copyright a finding, but we found it first. <laughs> we found it first. <laughs> That'll be our first topic so, next week. Then uh, we'll, we'll, I'll my, go back and rewatch yeah. it. <laughs> my hope is for a lot more X-Men references, maybe a little less Zemo show. <laughs> Hey, as long as they keep him like funny, cocky Baron Zemo, I'm all for it. As long as he's not yeah. like weird, kind of creepy Uncle Zemo from the the movie, I didn't like that Zemo. But I like new, I like new hip Zemo. <laughs> he is, yeah, much better. Uh, if they're gonna stick with it, go like this, mad, almost mad scientist style. Like go, you know. Yep. I wanted, yeah. Give him his sword. Let yeah, him be something. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I will thank you for joining us um, you can find Mace Podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts now super exciting 
make sure to leave a review comment with anything that you saw that maybe we didn't see uh, and we'll we'll try to bring it up next episode uh, but thanks for listening this week and we'll see you next week <laughs>